The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I'm Jeff Dean here with you on this beautiful Tuesday morning here in the city of Tucson, October the 26th. And if you're listening on the AM side at 1490 or the FM side at 104.9, or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we appreciate you tuning in here every single weekday from 7 to 9 as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. I know that you have options of where to get your sports news and information and entertainment, and we appreciate you choosing ESPN Tucson, the Jeff Dean Show, here every single weekday. Thursday night football going to be going on in the uh, the city of Tucson. Of course, Spears and Ali will be broadcasting live from the Native Grill and Wings in Marana. There's plenty of TVs, lots of beers on tap. It's located at Cortero and I-10, right there on the southwest corner of Cortero and I-10. They have plenty of food and drink specials. If you download the uh, Native Grill and Wings loyalty app, you get tons of offers there, promotions and things like that. Um, you can also check out all the menu and everything that they got going on there. Thursday night football, this Thursday night at Native Grill and Wings in Marana. You won't want to miss it, Cardinals and Packers. Join Spears and Ali there from 3 to 6 and uh, have some fun. Enjoy the game. Coming up also at some point in this hour, we'll have some FC Tucson tickets to give away, so stay tuned for your cue to call for that. And Matt Moreno of Go Easy Catch joining us at 8.30. But right now, we're going to go into my NFL power rankings. I do, I do it every two weeks. My top 16 teams, I cut the league in half, uh, and that's how I determine you know, my, my power rank. That's how I kind of rank them here and there. So we'll start with our team in 16th place. I have the Indianapolis Colts there. They're starting to get hot at the right time. They're 3-4 and four right now. They did not appear on my power rankings two weeks ago. So they're making their first appearance at number 16. And right now they have two of the hottest players in the NFL. Carson Wentz, who is currently on the longest streak currently in the NFL of quarterbacks without throwing an interception. I believe it's either most passes or most quarters played uh, without an interception. I don't remember which one it was, but it's, it's, a, it's a great streak uh, if you're a Colts fan, if you're uh, Carson Wentz. And Jonathan Taylor is really heating up as well. They looked really good against the 49ers in that horrible weather that they played in. And uh, I kind of like the way that they're trending. And even though T.Y. Hilton has been hurt and he's been the, you know, he was supposed to be the, the deep threat for, uh, for Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman has stepped up and has filled that role nicely. And I have the Colts at number 16. Number 15, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings currently at 3-3. Three and three. Look, there's plenty of palpable tension between Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer and or Kirk Cousins and his offense or his teammates or whatever, regardless of how the team feels about him personally, he may not be the world's best leading uh, quarterback. However, you look at his numbers, he's a superstar. He really is. He completes over 69% of his passes. Um, and this is just, you know, and this is the, basically his sample size with the Vikings. 58 games. Okay, now this is not just in seven games this year. 58 games, 69% completion percentage, 1,805 attempts with 104 touchdowns and only 31 interceptions. His passer rating is 104 during that time. Minnesota, once they get the running game kind of figured out, the offensive line we know is good. I think the defense is serviceable enough, and I have the Vikings at number 15. They previously were not ranked. Number 14, I have the New Orleans Saints. They move up one spot in the rankings from number 15. 
Uh, thought they you know, look. The defense is playing well, uh, well enough at least for you know for the Saints to uh, to overcome some of their you know some of their inefficiencies, if you will. Uh, defensively, I, you know they're only giving up like 17 points a game, which is great. They only gave up 10 last night to a listen a, a really bad a bad and beat up. Seattle Seahawks offense, but nonetheless, Saints at four and two. Jameis Winston isn't turning the ball over, and they're looking pretty good. Alvin Kamara is still absolutely a star, one of the best players in the league. Thirteen, I have the Chiefs moving down two spots. They were previously number eleven. We knew that the defense was a problem. Patrick Mahomes was starting to turn the ball over two weeks ago. That's why I had him ranked at eleventh. They have not fixed those problems. They got absolutely embarrassed and got blown out on Sunday. The defense could not stop the Tennessee Titans, nor could the offense move the football. They turned the ball over again at an alarming rate and did not even score a touchdown against the Tennessee Titans. I'll say this. They're lucky to be in the top 16 at all right now, the way they're playing football. But because of Andy Reid, because of Patrick Mahomes, and because of all the talent they have on that team, it's still like if the Chiefs do make the playoffs, and right now they're teetering, okay, if they if they make the playoffs, I, I don't think there's one team out there would want to play them in January though. Like you still, like if you draw the Chiefs, it's like damn it, <laughs> you know you don't want to draw that team. That's why they're still in the top sixteen. Number twelve on my rankings, and people may think that this is a bit harsh, uh, but I you know I don't think I don't think I'm too far off. My number twelve team is the Chargers. I moved them down. Six spots. They were previously in the, in the number six hole after their dominant performance two weeks ago. I moved them down six spots because, folks, they have the absolute worst rushing defense in the NFL. And when I say it's the worst, it's the worst by a long shot. It's not even close. They give up 163 yards per game on the ground. That is 18 yards more than the next worst team, which is the Houston Texans. It is really bad. And the best way to keep Justin Herbert from beating you is to run the football. And any team is able to do that right now. And I mean anyone. Anyone and everyone can run the football on the Chargers. Their defense is a sieve. It's a real problem right now. Throwing the ball is a different experience against the Chargers. But you can run the football all day on them. Teams are. They have. And that's why I have the Chargers 4-2 and two in the 12th spot. In the 11 spot, and again, this team, this might be a little generous for these guys, but we're going we're gonna to see how the rest of the season goes. I have the Cleveland Browns in the 11 spot. They're down two spots from the 9 spot where I re- pre- pre- uh, previously had them. Injuries have, of course, played a major part in this season, and it's why you know they're in this particular situation, 4-3, and three, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I, I'm still uh, – the book – for me, the book is still out on Kevin Stefanski and whether he can handle this job or not. Um, they're going to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback because they have a Super Bowl roster without a Super Bowl quarterback. So they got to figure something out. They're right now at a number 11. Could be worse in the in the coming weeks. The defense has played ridiculous, out of their minds good, and that's why they're this high, in my opinion. I would have had them a lot lower, but uh, the talent and the defense has been extremely good for the Brownies. All right, now we get into the top 10. My number 10 team in my power rankings is the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I put Derek Carr on my Dean's list yesterday. He was absolutely miraculous yesterday or on Sunday, 31 of 34, 
He's had five different signal callers in his time with the Raiders franchise. He loses the head coach. Now Basachi's 2-0. and And the defense is starting to play extremely well also. They've got some no-name guys that are kind of showing up a little bit, right? They're, you know, they're, they're giving up some yards. They're giving up some points. But it's not too bad to where they can't dig themselves out of the hole. And, of course, offensively, they're going to be just fine. They've got plenty of talent there. Derek, uh, Derek Carr is fantastic. They're averaging about 394 yards per game, I believe, offensively, and about 26 points per game, which is good enough in this NFL. I put them at number 10. Number 9, I have the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, you know, I had them. They were, uh, they were uh, eighth place in, the, in my rankings two weeks ago. Defensively, they're not great, right? Like they're twenty fourth in the league in defense. Offensively, they've got they've got plenty to you know plenty to, to like offensively. Even though Hollywood Brown has dropped a million passes so far this year, they've still got Lamar Jackson playing at a high level. They can beat you in many ways, but they're also getting beat in many ways. They're five and two. Really, you could look at this team as they're marginally a, a four and three to a three and four type performance. Uh, you know, certain performances away from being four and three or three and four. They haven't been beaten in all three phases of the game because John Harbaugh is is a, a great head coach until this previous week when the Bengals just absolutely tattooed them uh, on Sunday. So I have the Ravens at nine. They moved down one spot. They're five and two. We know they're good. We know they're going to be a solid team. But, man, I tell you what, if if – they're they're an injury away. They're one injury away from being a, a team that could start to fall. I I, I mean, and I, and I mean that at any position, they really are because I just I don't know. I, they're the makeup of the rest of their team just right now the way they are. I don't know. I, people may think that I've got them way too low. I think I think it's pretty much right there. I mean, they, you know, they, obviously they had Marcus Peters who they lost to a season-ending knee injury. Patrick Queen has not been playing well this year. They can't tackle anybody. Um, they, they, they got problems. They got problems. I think the Ravens, I think it's generous to put them at ninth, to be honest with you. Number eight, the Tennessee Titans. Now, Titans currently at five and two. I moved them up. They were in the 10 spot two weeks ago. I moved them up to, uh, based on their performances, you know, they, they beat the Bills uh, the uh, two weeks ago. That was a great performance there. Uh, and I still think that Ryan Tannehill has some space to explore with his wide receivers, with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. They've started to unlock that a little bit because teams are really starting to key on Derrick Henry, who has been playing at an MVP-type level. It's too bad for him that there's like six quarterbacks in his leagues who are playing out of their minds right now. Uh, the, the fact that teams are stacking the box to stop Derrick Henry is going to continue to open up that passing game. I think the Titans are a team that's going to be rising here in the next few weeks. They're a very good football team. I think they're extremely well coached. I love Mike Vrabel as the head coach. And I think that they're a team that could be on the rise. I, I, I suspect that within two weeks, we'll probably see them somewhere in the top six, maybe even the top five after a couple teams move around in and out of there. Number seven, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. This may be my love affair with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and how much fun they're having right now in that offense. But you can't deny the absolute butt-whipping they put on the Baltimore Ravens this past weekend. And you also have to look at the defensive performance. I think the defense for the Cincinnati Bengals is starting to get a lot better. They're currently, uh, I think they're currently ninth in the league in total defense. 
giving up just under 340 yards per game. They're only giving up 94 game, 94 points on the ground, but most importantly, or 94 yards on the ground. Not, most importantly, they're giving up 18.3 points per game. That is quite good, especially when you have an offense that they have. They are currently fifth in scoring defense, which is – I don't think anybody expected that from the Cincinnati Bengals. The defense has really, really played well. Offensively, again, they still have some problems. Offensive line has been a problem for them. Um, I don't even think they're in the top ten in total offense. They're close, uh, but they're scoring 27 points a game, which is really quite good considering I think they're like 13th, 12th or 13th in yards, but I think they're ninth in points, I want to say. So, look, they score points. They beat teams. They crush the Baltimore Ravens. I still think they've got some growing to do. I love Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is a superstar, and their defense is starting to show out. I like the Bengals at seven, and I, you know at five and two, I think you're talking about a ten win season for the for the Cincinnati Bengals, which I don't think anybody would have would have predicted. I think what they're over under was six six and a half this year from Vegas to start the season. So, yeah, good on the Bengals. Number six, just outside the top five, I put the Buffalo Bills here, and I know people are like Buffalo Bills, top five team. You're probably right, and they may end up being a top five team by the time this is all said and done. But you can't you can't overlook some of the things that they've done wrong this season. Granted, they do have the number one defense in football. You look you look at that defense; it has played extremely well. Um, you know, we know that they're you know the defense. We thought the defense would take a little bit longer to round out. Sean McDermott being there obviously has changed that. They've sped the things up. Defensively, they're awesome. Love their quarterback. Josh Allen is fantastic. I'd like them to get one more weapon for him, and I'd like them to be able to establish a little more of a running game uh, before they really, really turn him loose. Buffalo's a really good football team, okay, and I don't suspect they'll be outside the top five for much longer. Uh, but right now, just the way the league is going and the fact that they're 4-2, and two, I've got them at number six. Now for my top five. I have the Packers at five, six and one. I moved them up two spots because they just continue to win games. Now, I have a feeling this is the team that's going to start falling. I don't like their goal line defense. Their goal line offense, red zone offense has been spectacular. Red zone offense is automatic with Aaron Rodgers. He's ridiculous. Uh, I don't like their goal line defense. I don't like their, their defense overall. I think that their defense is just about ripe for the picking. I believe that there are teams that have got enough film on this defense that they're going to start to expose the the holes in Green Bay's defense. So far, it's been good. Okay, they've they've been resistant. They've only given up 331 yards per game, only given up 21 points per game, which has been good enough for them to roll off this six-game winning streak that they currently are on. But offensively, I think that they're they're behind the curve of a lot of teams. I think in yardage, I think they're 17th in the league in yards, 18th in the league in, in offensive yards, which is not good enough for this league. If you want to stay in the top five, you have to have an elite offense, like the, like the Cowboys, like the Buccaneers, like the Cardinals, like the Rams. Okay, You have to have an elite offense. They do not have an elite offense right now, even though they have a future first battle Hall of Famer at quarterback. So I have the Packers at five. At number four, a team with an elite offense, maybe the elite offense in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. Move them up from the five spot into the four spot. They're five and one. They have some real questions to be answered in regards to d- does Dak Prescott play over the next three weeks. 
He's got the bad ankle, okay, still kind of nursing the shoulder and the, the pec and the shoulder injury, uh, you know, the, 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 the little problems that he's got there. But it's really the, the ankle and the calf that are the problem right now. You know, they, they've got some upcoming games against some cupcakes. They have a two-and-a-half game lead in the East right now, and I think that will only begin to expand even more as those other three teams continue. I mean, like the Giants – they got a they got a nice win against the Panthers over the weekend. That's not going to continue. Uh, I don't think it's imperative that the Cowboys play Dak Prescott this weekend or for the next two weekends, for that matter. Uh, get him healthy because you cannot have him out for four to five weeks. You'd rather sit him for a week or two weeks than have him out for four to six. Number three, the Buccaneers. I have them moving up one spot from the four spot. They're six and one. They're they're only going to get better when Rob Gronkowski gets back on the field. Of course, they are explosive. The defense has started to play better. Um, they are just they are just absolutely – their offense, and Tom Brady is maybe having the best season, the second-best season of his career. It's unbelievable what he continues to do. The NFL gets better, and so does Tom Brady as he gets older. I, I just – I don't get it. It's, it, <laughs> it belies anything that, is, that should be normal that we're used to seeing in the history of – I've been watching sports at least. Number two, the Rams, 6-1, and one, moving them up from the three spot. I think it's self-explanatory here. They're the second most dominant team in the NFL, in my opinion. They win uh, on several, uh, several different levels. They have an elite quarterback. They don't have a great running game, but it's good enough to get them by. They have elite receivers. They have elite defensive linemen. They have an elite secondary, and they have a very good tackling linebacker group. They're the second-best team in the league only because they lost to the Cardinals a few weeks ago whom I have at number one, the NFL's only unbeaten team. They are a juggernaut. Defensively, they're absolutely ripping it right now, only giving up 16 uh, points per game. They're, they've just been spectacular on the defensive side of the ball, even more spectacular than their offense has been, in my opinion, because uh, we weren't expecting that out of this defense. So there you go. Cardinals at number one. Those are my power rankings. I'm going to post them on Twitter uh, following the show, and uh, feel free to uh, chime in with your thoughts on your power rankings or my power rankings. Give me your opinions. I'd love to hear from you uh, as well. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, more right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Byron Kennedy, who is the man who ended up with Brady's 600th touchdown football that Mike Evans handed to him after he caught the ball in the first quarter of their game on Sunday. Um, the, the Buccaneers sent over their PR guy, their number one PR guy to retrieve the ball, said Tom would really like to have that football. Um, he gave him the ball. Like, okay, here you go. Being a, a nice, upstanding human being said, okay, cool, here's the ball. Now, at the time, they had walked over a $1,000 gift card to the Buccaneers team shop, which is great. I mean, look, you can get a lot of stuff. I mean, even though jerseys are like 300 bucks, uh, But he already had a Mike Evans jersey, so dude was already showing out with the team. Um, so he handed the ball over, and then, you know, the negotiations started, essentially. Now, the Buccaneers at that point have the ball. Tom Brady has the ball. They don't have to do anything for him. Like, they don't have to do squat at this point. They have the ball. <laughs> As Tom Brady said on the broadcast on the Manning cast last night, the guy lost all of his negotiating power. 
right, because he gave the ball up. If he had held onto the ball, held a ransom, he could have gotten a lot more because that ball is considered to be around a half-million-dollar valuation, five hundred grand. So the Bucks then decided to go ahead and compensate Byron Kennedy with the following. Two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady. Okay, those are, like, those are awesome, by the way. Two signed jerseys and a helmet from the greatest football player of all time. I think I don't know if many people will disagree with that, to be honest with you. He got a signed Mike Evans jersey. Okay, cool. He also got Mike Evans game cleats, which is awesome. Like, that's to have game cleats, fans don't get that kind of stuff. Like, players keep that stuff. Or they give it to family or really close friends. He got a $1,000 credit to the team store. He also got two season tickets for the remainder of this season and got two season tickets for next year. Folks, those are defending champion Super Bowl season tickets, okay? This is not, this is not like, you know, oh, here's your pair of tickets to the Jacksonville Jaguars for the, next, you know, the rest of the year. These are defending champs season tickets. Look, this is great value. Honestly, I mean, it really is great value for a fan, for a, a true fan. Now, it would have been worth a lot more had he held on to the ball. But I kind of like what Byron Kennedy did. I mean, I, I, got, I got respect for what he did. I respect what he did. Gave the ball up, was like, yes, here you go. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I probably would have done the same thing. He's a fan. He seemed just genuinely excited to be handed the football. He's wearing a Mike Evans jersey. Mike is like, here you go. Football for you, brother. Thanks for repping my jersey. And Tom's like, hey, that's my 600 ball. Oh, crap. Somebody go get that from him. They also gave him a game ball from the, uh, from the game on Sunday as well. Now, he, he has one other stipulation that may or may not come to fruition, does Byron Kennedy. He said, and he talked to, I think he talked to Bleacher Report yesterday, or he talked to somebody, he talked to a reporter yesterday. He said that he wants to play a round of golf with Tom Brady. I got to be honest with you. If this had been the Tom Brady from just even three years ago, or you know, fifteen years ago, if if this is Tom Brady of the New England Patriots, there's a definite no on that. Like there's absolute no. But the Tom Brady that we've seen since he landed in Tampa has been a footloose and fancy free party animal. Tom Brady having fun, throwing the Super Bowl trophy from boat to boat, drinking. Uh, avocado tequila. I think Tom says yes. I think Tom's going to go golfing with this guy. I think that'd be great. I hope I hope it happens, and I hope Tom is able to fill that uh, uh, that guy's dream of playing a round of golf with Tom Brady. That would just be the 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 icing on the cake right there. So good on you, Byron Kennedy, for not only not holding the ball ransom, but for uh, taking a little bit extra and getting something real personal out of Tom with that. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Cats. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, continuing to talk local sports and uh, some 
Look, some exciting things on the horizon for Arizona football. That cannot be denied. Of course, with the 2022 recruiting class, Arizona's recruiting ranking moved up recently into the top 30. And to join us uh, now to talk about recruiting and then things, some things that he saw over the weekend is our go-to guy for Arizona recruiting. He is a senior editor of Go AZ Catch with the rivals on the Yahoo Network. He is Matt Moreno, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Matt, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Jeff. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Um, real quick, just to you know, kind of backtrack before we look ahead on some things. Yesterday at Jed Fish's press conference, I thought it was interesting. Um, he basically said what Khalil Tate tweeted out two years ago. I didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option. Is that kind of what you gathered from that as well? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he just mentioned that, you know, there's so many athletic players that it's just it's a different time, and it's not exactly kind of uh, – what you're looking to do these days outside of the service academies, you kind of have to do it because of, you know, their limited um, recruiting and kind of what the, what the rosters look like. But um, I think he just kind of essentially said it's kind of past his time. And, um, you know, it's, it's not what they're planning to do and, you know, not what programs are really leaning towards doing at this point in time. Now, Matt, you know, as, as, a, as a recruiting insider, the reason why I value your information so much more than some of the other guys and the reason why we have you on the show is because you don't just you know read stories. You actually go to the games. You were at the Servite Modern, Modern Day game this past weekend, were you not? Uh, I was not there. You were not <laughs> I saw there. saw them earlier in the season. You saw them I'll earlier them in the season. Week. Okay. You're, you're going to yeah. be seeing them this week. Okay. So you didn't get a chance to go to the game, actually, but you did watch plenty of the film on the tape. What did you see from that game? I mean, there's Modern Day's number one team in the country, right? They're still number one team in the country, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah, still number one. What did you see from okay. our boys, the, the, the big three, uh, maybe even the fourth? We just don't know about uh, T-Mac, what's going to happen with Oregon in this offseason and all that kind of stuff. That remains to be seen. But what did you see from our big three, our, our, uh, our Juice County boys? Yeah, I mean, it was a really impressive game. I was able to watch it live, and I was able to get a hold of the stream to, to be able to watch it live here in Tucson. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, one of, it was the biggest game of their season so far. Uh, they've really dominated. Servite has really dominated for most of the season averaging something like 50 points a game. And um, most of the you know star players, most of the starters and, and guys that are going to be playing in college haven't played into the second half, I think, in pretty much every game this season. So uh, it was really their first challenge. And, and when I talked to Noel Fafita earlier in the season, he mentioned it's difficult because they're really only playing for two games this year. They know they're going to play modern day and they know they're going to play St. John Bosco at the end of the yep. season, their final two regular season games. Both of those teams are in the top five uh, nationally. And so uh, – their whole season was basically a build-up to playing these last two games. And so there's a lot of anticipation about playing modern day, the number one team in the country, uh, who was still undefeated at the time, remains undefeated, uh, had already beat St. John Bosco this season. Um, so it was really a build-up to, to figure out. They play in the toughest league. I know there's going to be some discussions. I know fans in Texas and Florida always say they, they play the toughest you mm-hmm. know, schedules of anybody. But uh, the Trinity League in Orange County is, is, to me, the toughest league in the country. You have three top ten teams nationally in that in that one league. And um, Servite is one of those teams, and so they want to win that league. And, and uh, that's been the goal for Noah Fafita and, and Kian Burnett and Jacob Manu, all those guys. That's what they want to do is win the, win the league. And so they had their first tough test with, uh, with Modern Day, and, and they hung tough. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who expected uh, Servite to be blown out, and that just isn't what happened. It was a very, very good game. Went up to the wire. Um, Servite continued to kind of deal some blows and, and – uh, really have modern day, I think, on its heels for a bit. But modern day just has so much talent on its team. 
Uh, Servite has a lot of talent as well, more talent than a typical high school, but modern day is unlike anybody else in, in the country, and they just have so much talent on their roster. Most of their players are going to be going to, to Division One colleges or at least playing college football somewhere. So it's a, it's a difficult task, but I think when you look at the Arizona commits in that, in that game, they all really shined in their own way. Um, Jacob Manus shined early. He had a big yeah. sack. Uh, he was able to come in with on a, as a free runner and get a big sack. And um, and then the very next play, he blocked a punt, or he recovered a blocked punt uh, for a touchdown and put Servite ahead early in the game. So he really shined. Noah Fafita always is going to shine. He had some really big moments. Um, didn't have his necessarily his best game of the season, but really showed that he could hang with a, a top team. And that's really, I think, what everyone was interested in seeing from him. Uh, obviously, we've talked about his size. He doesn't have the ideal college quarterback size but for me checked off every other box and um has really had a strong senior season but i think for people on the outside who view who want to see what he can be at the next level they want to see him go go against the top top competition he he was able to do that and, and had a really strong game uh, in his own right um and then Keen burnett got involved late had a big catch down down the stretch and um really had, had a strong game himself so i think for all three of those Arizona commits, they had a good showing and showed that, you know, they're the type of players that can hang with, you know, anybody in the country. Now, over the weekend, we also found that uh, at least two of those three commits will be joining the program early. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so Noah Fafita had confirmed to me a while back that his plan has been to arrive early. Um, and they mentioned that on the broadcast. So I was just making sure everyone knew about that who maybe didn't know. Uh, when I talked to him earlier in the season, he said, yeah, that's my plan. I'm, you know, going to enroll early and graduating from Servite uh, in December. We'll sign in December and then, you know, arrive to Arizona in January. I, I couldn't remember if that was the case for, for Key and Burnett. I had talked to, about, talked to him about it uh, in the past uh, before he committed to Arizona. I think he was a little bit undecided at that moment because I was still in the summer. Um, but uh, I got confirmation on that as well. And so he will be joining No Fafita here in January in Tucson, be arriving uh, as a spring semester enrollee and, Obviously, it's a very strong thing for them, a strong thing for Arizona, um, because those guys will be able to get on campus, go through spring practice with the rest of the team. And if you go through the players who contribute early in their careers, at least the last few years at Arizona, most, if not all of them, have been able to contribute if they arrive early. Uh, Stevie Rocker is a great example of that right now, uh, kind of on the rise this season as a true freshman here at Arizona, arrived back in January, uh, making the move over from CDO, uh, the short trek over from CDO to, to U of A. Uh, in the spring, and he was able to participate in spring ball, really got his footing, I think, at that moment, had dealt with some injuries in high school and really got right with his uh, health, and then uh, springboarded him into training camp where he really made his move, and now he's a contributor. So getting those guys on campus early is a good is a good thing uh, for everyone involved, but I think that when you look at, kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture, what it tells you is that they're locked in. Um, you're not talking about enrolling early if you're you know wavering a little bit. So I think that's a great sign for Arizona that those guys are going to be, you know, eventually signed in December. Uh, still got a, you know, about a month or so, a little over a month until those guys are ready to sign, a month and a half. And um, so I think it's a great sign for, for those guys and for every, a, a few other guys in the class. Just in Monday, someone else who uh, has indicated he's going to be enrolling early and, and signing in December and, you know, joining the program in January. So uh, I think there's going to be quite a few in this class. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if half, of the recruits in the current class end up enrolling early just because I think Jeff Fish and they as well know uh, it's, it's for the best that they can get on campus, you know, sooner. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. I, I, I know I, I probably have a feeling what the answer is going to be, but I'm still intrigued about T-Mac, T-Tyroa, McMillan. 
who was an, uh, you know, an Arizona offer. He was basically down to Arizona and Oregon. He decided to make his verbal to Oregon. Is he also going to graduate early and enroll at Oregon, or is he still kind of keeping things open a little bit? That I need to uh, dig, do a little more, a little more digging on. Um, I think the plan is to enroll early, but I'd have to, I have to double check on that. But um, I think for most of the survive players, Jacob Manu is one who did tell me he's not going to be enrolling early. He'll be joining, joining yeah. the program in the summer. But yep. I think for the most part, a lot of those guys who understood that they're going to have power five options and be able to play at power five schools pretty early on. Uh, obviously, Jacob Manu is not in that category. He had some lower level offers before Arizona came through. Um, so I think he was, you know, always going to kind of wait and see how things play out. Um, but I think for the rest of that group at Servite, I think they all knew, hey, if I can get into spring ball early, it's going to be um, a good thing. So I, I would lean towards T-Mac being someone who's going to end up enrolling early, but I, I still have to double check on that one. Man- we're Manu's first Power 5 offer, correct? Is that we were his that's first, correct. right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. And 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 it le- it lends itself to to understand that he would wait until uh, until the spring semester to to graduate. That happens all the time. Matt Moreno, senior well, editor the, of Go. What's that? I'm sorry. I was just going to say. Well, the, the thing with that is that a lot of those guys they know early on, so they can plan it out over the summer and yeah. get their classes all lined up. And, and so someone who's a little bit later developing doesn't quite have that advantage. Absolutely, it, nailed it right on the head. Exactly. Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Catch, joining us right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Uh, you mentioned a, uh, on Twitter the other day uh, a potential transfer portal offensive lineman, another one who has ties to the state of Arizona. He's from the state of Wisconsin, played his high school ball up here at, at Saguaro in Scottsdale, now plays for Wisconsin, but he's transferring out. Caden Lyles, an offensive lineman um, who's going to be looking as a graduate transfer, looking to go somewhere, have – you caught any wind of his interest in coming back home? Uh, what, what, what's the thought process there? Well, it's still so early. I mean, he just announced that he's going to go into the portal yesterday, yeah. so it's still very early in the process. I do know that Arizona is planning to pursue him, um, as it should. Uh, anybody with any kind of ties back to Arizona, I think, is going to be on Arizona's radar. So we'll see where it goes from Arizona's side, and we'll see what happens with him. It's a little bit of a different scenario than Noah Nelson, who we talked about last time, uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, from Gilbert, Still has his family in Arizona, is, is a true Arizona native, and, and someone who has strong ties um, to the state. And his dad was a, he's a legacy. His dad played at Arizona as well. So he has those ties. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. Caden Lyles is from Wisconsin. I mean, that's anytime you talk to him, you know, back when he was at Saguaro, he, he mentioned Wisconsin a lot. And so uh, he moved out from Wisconsin to Arizona to Scottsdale uh, when he was in middle school, ended up staying. Uh, and, and playing most of his high school career at Saguaro and then moved back for his senior year to Wisconsin. And so uh, his family's all from Wisconsin. He has very strong ties to that part of the country. So I think it is going to be more difficult to get someone like that to come back uh, west. Uh, it, he doesn't have the same natural ties that someone like Noah Nelson has, who has all of his family here already in Arizona and you know has this strong connection back to the state. So I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult. I also think there's going to be a lot more competition for someone like Jaden Lyles. Yeah. Uh, he was someone who generated some NFL buzz before the season, uh, a guy who's played on both sides of the ball, which is very interesting. Uh, was thought of as a highly, you know, he was a highly ranked offensive line prospect, you know, coming out of Saguaro High School and then eventually when he moved. But um, he, he played, you know, the first portion of his career on the defensive side of the ball as a defensive end at Wisconsin and then eventually made the transition back to offense where he was, you know, an interior lineman and was expected to be the starting center at Wisconsin this season and ended up getting beat out for the job during training camp. So uh, an interesting scenario. He's had some injuries uh, over the, in the past. Uh, he had his last season 
2020 come uh, cut short because of an injury and had to kind of deal with some hip injuries, a couple knee issues throughout his career. So there are some kind of um, things that could potentially hold hold up schools from pursuing him. But I think Arizona is going to be active and, and really try and get him in the mix and, uh, you know, take things from there. But uh, I think definitely would be a very strong piece for Arizona to add to the offensive line, obviously a position of need. You'd like to have someone who has a ton of experience. He's played in 34 games, has started 16 games in the Big Ten. Um, so that's somebody you want to have in the mix at Arizona, especially on that interior where they're going to be losing some guys You know, after the season. Josh McCauley, especially at that center position, is someone who's at the end of his career uh, at Arizona. So um, definitely someone to keep an eye on, but I think it's going to be a little bit more of a difficult task than someone like Noah Nelson. Maddie, update us uh, as far as rivals go. Give us an update on where Arizona stands nationally and Pac-12-wise as far as the rankings and in, in recruiting for the 2022 class. There hasn't been much movement uh, as of late. They're still ranked. So previously when uh, Jacob Manu committed, they moved up to number 36. They dropped back a couple spots uh, when Zeke Berry decommitted, but they moved back up to number 36. Right now they're at number 37. So okay. uh, they've, kinda, they've been idle since uh, that commitment from Jacob Manu earlier in the, in the month. Um, so other teams are obviously moving around. But uh, I think with a strong push, which I'm expecting to have at least uh, for Arizona to have at least a few more high school commits, I do think the transition is going to start towards looking more at the transfer portal and making sure they have enough room to you know, do some things with the transfer portal because that is where you're going to have more of your success, I think, uh, if you're a program like Arizona. So you want to make sure and leave room for that. So um, I, I do think Arizona will end up adding a few more players uh, at, from the high school ranks, maybe even potentially – the junior college ranks, but probably more focused on the high school level. Um, but right now they're ranked number 37, uh, still fourth in the Pac-12, uh, pretty firmly in that spot, uh, pretty close to USC. So they're still kind of battling it out with USC a little bit um, for that spot. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting scenario playing out and, and seeing how things are going at this point. But I do think with a strong push, Arizona could move into that top 30 and, and um, you know, eventually that's kind of where you want to be. If you can live in that 25 to 30 range, uh, yes, you'd like to be much higher than that, but you're talking about a program that's lost a ton of games, and so yeah. uh, it's really, it really is, and, and you can't understate it enough. I mean, uh, or overstate it enough, just how much uh, Jed Fish is doing with what he has to work with right now. This is pretty remarkable to see um, a program that has lost as many games, um, has looked like it has this season, continue to recruit at a high level, and so again, that just goes back to the coaching staff, and everyone talks about you know, the personal nature of the program. It's obviously their kind of slogan for this year, but that really matters a lot to recruits, that, that personal connection with the coaching staff. And you have to have the right people in place to pull that off. And so uh, from that perspective, Jed Fish has done a really good job of building his staff and um, is doing a good job of selling prospects on, you know, the, the vision and the future of the program, despite kind of what's going on currently. So um, it really is remarkable. I haven't quite seen anything like that. And I know there's been some you know uh, criticism of Jed Fish and, and you know what he's done this season they haven't been able to win a game but uh, I don't know that there would have been another coach out there who could do what he's done uh, recruiting wise um, at Arizona in this particular situation and so uh, it gives you some optimism for the future because uh, if he can do this now once they start winning games I think it only improves from there so um, but yeah if you can stay in that 25 to 30 range if you can get into that range and remain there consistently you have a chance to be a program that wins nine and 10 games every year. I'm convinced of that. I mean, if you look at the rankings every year and you look at the programs that are in that range, they're constantly competing and they're, they're constantly, you know, in the conversation for nine and 10 wins. And, you know, that's where you want to live and, and eventually, you know, put yourself over the edge to get to that college football playoff. That's the vision I think for every program, but 
uh, Arizona definitely heading in the right direction. And it's really been uh, impressive to see because, you know, they don't have a lot working in their favor right now when it comes to the on-field product. Baby steps, Maddie. Baby steps. We just got to get out of the 70s in recruiting rankings. And then, then we can worry about the top 25. <laughs> but you're right. Jetfish has done a phenomenal job, and uh, we should all be very, very thankful and excited about what's to come for this Arizona football program. As always, Maddie, we appreciate the time, man. Your, expert, your expertise is, uh, is absolutely top notch. And uh, we thank you, and we'll talk to you again real soon, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Matt Moreno. You can follow him. He is a must follow. If you. If you have a Twitter account and you're a college football fan, college basketball fan, college sports fan, at Matt GoAZCats, that's at Matt GoAZCats, is a must-follow. He's a senior editor at GoAZCats.com. They're a Rivals and Yahoo uh, network, and he is the man when it comes to Arizona recruiting. Uh, obviously, you can hear by his responses that he doesn't just you know look at some stuff and do a ranking and then walk away. He is invested fully in that. And uh, he and I are going to go check out some basketball games here coming up during, uh, during basketball season. Look forward, we're looking forward to that as well. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of The Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Boy, just like that, another show in the books. It went so fast. <laughs> These two-hour shows, when I first started doing Sports Talk Radio, well, first, when I first started doing it, I was doing weekends. I was doing a one-hour show on Saturdays, then it went to two hours, then it went to three hours. Then I jumped on afternoons and was doing five hours <laughs> by myself. That was that was a little too much, but uh, these two-hour shows go by so quickly. It's like, man, leave me wanting more. I guess it's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Uh, game one of the World Series is tonight. Of course, you can hear that here on ESPN Tucson as uh, you know Spears and Ali are going to be preempted for these games. Uh, they're going to be ending at uh, their show will run from three to four today, and World Series coverage begins at four p.m. First pitch, I believe, is at five oh eight p.m. World Series Game 1 and World Series Game 2 is tomorrow. We're going to follow the same schedule. World Series Game 3 is on Friday. Follow the same schedule. So Spears and Ali will be preempted from from, uh, from 3 to 4 uh, p.m. They'll be on the air and then uh, turn it over to the World Series. I guess I, I, guess I should give my official prediction uh, for this series and to see who's going to be the world champion, I, I don't. I just don't know how much of this series is going to matter to people across the country. I know, I know, regionally in the South, it's going to, mad, to matter, uh, and in the Gulf Coast area, of course, with the Houston Astros being involved. But other than that, I think this is going to be a really quiet World Series nationally, coast to coast wise. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see a lot of fan engagement with the two teams that are playing in this particular series, considering what we could have had in the World Series. Now, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm not saying that that, that there was a, you know, that we were jobbed out of it or whatever. I'm just saying that the enticement of having a Red Sox or a Dodgers or a Giants series certainly would have been, you know, at least one of those teams or both of those teams being in it would have been, I think, a little more engaging to the fans across the country. Now, I still think it's going to be a very competitive series. I think the series will go seven, 
The Astros are going to be without Lance McCullers. That's a huge break for the Braves. Braves, talk about teams that are lucky. You want to talk about the Cardinals are lucky. The Braves have been catching some breaks in this postseason as well, big time. They've been hitting the cover off the ball, especially those, those, uh, those outfielders. You've got a former MVP on the team as well. I, th- I think it's going to go seven. I really do. I just feel like when it, when it comes down to it in this particular series, when I'm looking at just the actual breakdown, and I really have, honestly, I have not done a, a, a real in-depth analysis of these two teams and how they match up against one another. I just know that the Astros have a little bit better pitching than the Braves do. Maybe not much, but it's a little bit of an edge uh, for the for the Braves or for the Astros in this series. And when it all comes down to it, the Astros are the best fastball hitting team in Major League Baseball. And I, I just think that's what it's going to come down to: the ability to hit fastballs. Really, I mean, I I know that sounds simple and and maybe uh, ridiculous and maybe too simplistic, but I'm picking the Astros to win in seven. They're good enough. I think their defense will be good enough for them to. Uh, to, uh, to win a couple of games here and there. And I just think the ability to hit the fastballs the way that they do is going to be the difference in this series. So Astros and seven. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to my guest, Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats, who just joined us to talk about Wildcat recruiting and everything in that world. Of course, thanks to Mary back in studio for controlling everything, pushing all the buttons and keeping me on task. That's uh, certainly helpful. Stay tuned for Spears Not League today at 3 o'clock, and I will see you guys again tomorrow at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD for Tucson.